This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And just like that, we're back Thursday morning. Listen to this date, September 2nd, the year of our Lord, 2021. And if you're familiar with the college football calendar, that means we got, what, 16 games tonight? It's such a big night. How big is it? It's such a big night, friends, that we are bumping the start time of Late Kick Live up an hour from the usual start point. Usually it's 8 Eastern, 7 Central tonight, 7 Eastern, 6 Central. And then we'll go watch Ohio State, Minnesota. We'll watch some Boise UCF. I don't know that many people are aware that game's happening tonight. That's a big game. If it were five or ten years ago, it'd be a massive game. Boise at Central Florida. Heads up, Gus Malzahn, year one. Remember what happened the last time Malzahn was in a year one? Got 13 seconds within a national championship. That's what happened. We got ECU App State tonight. Bowling Green rolling into Tennessee. So some of you are going to listen to this on Friday, so I need to shut up about what happened in the past. Uh, But what we do have is a loaded mailbag. It overflowed the other day. I got as good a reaction to our last Late Kick Extra as I've had to any podcast we've ever done. I think it was because of the eclectic nature. We talked some college football, gave you a nice little storm-chasing story, gave a soliloquy on fall weddings that I have gotten so much appreciation and a little bit of hate mail for. But that's okay. We're not going to get consensus on fall weddings. That's the point. If there was a consensus on fall weddings... And to be to be clear, Saturday fall weddings, if there was a consensus on it, we wouldn't have to discuss it so much. You know, it's like regular bathing. If there was a consensus on taking baths every day, at least one, it's not asking too much, then we wouldn't have to fight about it. But you get in close quarters on the city bus or the subway or wherever you are, and all of a sudden you realize not everyone feels about this subject the way I feel. Am I in the minority? Are they in the minority? Either way, it stinks. So uh, two minutes ago, I think what I started to tell you was we've got a lot of mailbag material that we didn't get to the other day. And I'm not one to just skip over things, although I know I cannot get to all of you. I try and get to as many as possible. So let's roll right on. Joe asked, what are your thoughts on Joe Milton? Not related. Starting at quarterback for Tennessee. Well, I'm fascinated by it. I didn't get to touch on this the other night, and we're not doing a Tennessee Bowling Green breakdown for obvious reasons. But Joe Milton, think about it. I know it's been touched on ad nauseum now, but think about it. This is the guy who wasn't on campus in the spring. This is the guy who was at Michigan still. Now, was he already privy to the Tennessee playbook? Yeah, turns out he was. But he wasn't on campus. He wasn't throwing to the receivers that he is going to throw to. He wasn't acclimating himself to the campus. You ever been to Ann Arbor? You ever been to Knoxville? Both wonderful places, just different places. Like Jupiter and Neptune, I'm sure both have their qualities about them that are lovely. Different places. So what grabbed me the most is when he came in there, there were a lot of people around Tennessee that ended up being right, so credit where it's due, who said Joe Milton's going to be the starter here. And I just found it interesting. I didn't discount it, but I found it interesting that people close to the program, informed people, could feel that way when the guy, forget about completing a pass to anyone on campus, he I don't know that he had shaken hands with anyone on campus. But yet he walked in and he did it. Now, you could make that a testament to Joe Milton. You could make it an indictment on what was the Tennessee quarterback room. 
especially when you had Harrison Bailey with such promise this time last year. I bought in and you had Hendon Hooker transferring in and there were some people, it was a minority of the entire population there, but there were some people who felt like he was going to be the starter. So Joe Milton locks it down. I, For those of you unfamiliar, I mean, the Tennessee fans know all this stuff. I'm not preaching anything new here, but the, the big question mark around him, which I think is fair, is not can you throw it 80 yards, because he can. Without a crow hop, people, that's one of the biggest arms in college football. But if I can throw it 80 yards, but I have no clue how to throw it 8 yards with any touch and precision and accuracy, I'm no good to you. I'm good in those long throw competitions. I'd be excellent at the combine. I would be able to impress a lot of people. I'd win a lot of money, but I could not win you football games. Well, Joe Milton now, according to Tennessee insiders, it sounds like he's rectified a lot of those issues. And I tend to believe if that's happened, he has not been on campus long enough for a coaching staff, even the best in the world, to rectify those kinds of mechanical problems, I don't think. And so if that's the case, partial credit's going to go to Tennessee. Partial credit's going to go to Joe Milton. Partial credit may go to just the natural maturity and evolution of a player the longer they play the game. But I think another little side note there is going to be, if you send me a player that couldn't do something for you, and then all of a sudden he's doing it for me right off the bat, don't I have to look crooked into the rearview mirror and say, man, what was wrong with y'all? And that's what I'd do. I'd look at Michigan and I'd say, why could he not do these things? Keep in mind, we're not talking about being able to read complicated defenses. We're not talking about him going up against Brent Venables and slicing Clemson to death. We're talking about being able to put some touch on underneath passes. That's really what we're talking about. And if he can all of a sudden do that there in Tennessee, and he couldn't do it formally at Michigan, eh, it's just, I think it deserves to be talked about. So he's playing Bowling Green. It should be, I want to stress, should be a nice easing into the season, put some points on the board. I don't think they're going to stop. Cincinnati and Tennessee are two teams in week one. I don't think you can put a high enough point total on what they're capable of. If they can stretch the margin, they are stretching the margin. That's why we like, by the way, Cincinnati minus 23, one of our Ramen Noodle Express picks of the week. Several more coming between now and tonight's show, by the way, so stay tuned. Next up, Eric. What are your expectations for Miami? Not the game, but just Miami on Saturday. What do they have to prove, or rather, what do they have to do to prove to the national media that they're not the team that doesn't show up and compete in big games? Let me make this clear, crystal clear. They have nothing to prove to national media. No one has anything to prove to national media. Not you, nor I, nor any football player, team, coach, etc. No one has anything to prove to national media. Uh, you kind of can say the same thing about the fan base, but I think you do have to prove yourself to your fan base because your fan base is actually the lifeblood of your program. You could say recruiting's the lifeblood of the program. No, that's the lifeblood of roster building. The lifeblood of your program is the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who will burn those turnstiles and pay their hard-earned money to get in to watch you and support you in every kind of facet of your program. That's the lifeblood. Yes, you do owe it. To those folks. But national media, man, no, you don't owe anything to them. You may say, Josh, what are you talking about? You are national media. No, 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 no. The rule, as I have stated before and will state again, is I'm only media when it benefits. When I got to apply for a credential, you know, to get on that, get on that sideline for Georgia and Clemson Saturday, okay, I'll be your media. And if it's time to get my free meal, I'm your media. Those gift bags they give away at the playoff games and national title games, awesome. I mean, I free I am so in love with free stuff. You don't even know. But 
every other situation, I do not term myself as media. I am only media when it's convenient. Otherwise, I kind of do that thing where I walk to the other side and then I look over at the media side of the fence with you guys and I just snarl. And then when someone says, free stuff, I, I say, I'll be right back, guys. That's how I play the media card. But no, you don't have anything to prove to media. You got to prove something to yourself. Because I go back to the Clemson game last year. Forget about position by position breakdowns. Just the competitive aspect of the Miami football team. They got housed at Clemson last year. They weren't ready for the stage. There have been many programs before. There will be many programs down the road that have that happen to them. Those are average to below average programs, though. Miami has higher aspirations than that. So what they have to do Saturday night is not beat Alabama. What they have to do is they have to trade punches with Alabama. They've got to do kind of what Texas A&M has been able to do. You could look at the final score and you could say, ooh, A&M got blown out. They're so inferior. No, they're not. You go back and you watch those Texas A&M-Alabama games the last couple of years. You watch them close and you'll see those games are not wood chipper specials. Those aren't splatterings. What happens is A&M's toe-to-toe with them. A&M physically, this is the most important part, physically is somewhat matching up with Alabama, and then a few plays break the dam open. That's how football happens. I'm not arguing the final score is misleading, although I kind of am, because I'm telling you not all 42-23 to or not all 45-21 to games are equal. Sometimes I was up on you 38-3, to and then we just cruised to that final score. But other times, it could be 17-13, to early third quarter, And then one or two things happen and the floodgates open and then it's not competitive anymore. Well, which scenario proved more? I think the second did. It doesn't matter that day. Your score is your score. But from a competitive character standpoint and from a forward thinking standpoint, in other words, how will you fare down the road? I'd much rather be in scenario B because if Miami, let's say, were to be with Alabama 17-16 third quarter and then there's a tip ball up in the air and it falls into the arms of a defensive lineman for Alabama. That sets them up in plus territory. Uh, they score a touchdown and then they immediately force a three and out. Places going crazy and then they get a short field, set up another touchdown, 14-0 run in like four minutes. That kind of stuff happens. That's a really good team you're playing. That kind of stuff happens. But what you can take away from that at least is you can meet the next day. You can go in that film room or as a staff, you can meet and you can look at each other and say, they didn't ragdoll us. They beat us. They did not ragdoll us. And here's the good news. I'm looking at the rest of our schedule here on the projector, here on the grease board. We don't have another Alabama on the schedule. Now we're going to go play Clemson eventually, but we don't have another Alabama. And so let's get ourselves ready and let's win all these other games because the level we played at yesterday, if that's really us, stands to reason we should be able to beat Almost everyone else on our schedule, and then we'll take our chances with Clemson, but everyone else on our schedule, this is in play. We can be a double-digit win team. This is in play for us. Let's go. That's what I'd look for. Aaron, up next, what do you think Kentucky's ceiling is, and what do you expect them to do in that gauntlet part of their schedule where they play Florida, LSU, and at Georgia back-to-back-to-back? I, off the top of my head, don't expect them to be able to win any of those. Well, let me backtrack. They are able to do some things. I don't expect them to win any of those games. However, here's what gives them a puncher's chance in every one of them. There is a schedule dynamic advantage, Edge, Kentucky, in every single one of these. Let's walk through it together since you don't have the helmet grid schedule in front of you right now. Hopefully you've memorized it, but if you haven't, allow me to share. Florida plays Tennessee on September 25th. Then they go to Kentucky the next week. So that's a rivalry game, and then you're playing at Kentucky the next week. All right, You may not be impressed by that, but let's roll on. So that's the Kentucky-Florida game. Kentucky plays LSU. 
Well, what does LSU have right before that? LSU plays Auburn the week before they go to Kentucky, and then they play Florida the week after they go to Kentucky. So the classic sandwich spot, I can't account for it numerically, but it means something. At least history tells us it does. So that's the LSU game. Then Kentucky goes to Georgia on October 16th. Georgia the week before that is at Auburn. And this is the two, four, this is the seventh game in a row. It's the last game before a bye week for Georgia. So they're trying to limp to the finish line and then get ready for that game against Florida. So there is at least a before or after or before and after scheduling dynamic advantage for Kentucky in every one of those games, which gives you at least a shot. The other thing they have to have is they have to have Will Levis, the transfer quarterback from Penn State. They just have to have him pan out. This is kind of the Joe Milton situation in that before Will Levis was even announced as transferring officially to Kentucky, he was transferring to Kentucky. I mean, people knew it, but they were already counting on him. I talked to someone close to the Kentucky staff, and they said, it's got to be him. It's got to be him. So then I went out to dinner with someone very close to Penn State, and I said, is it going to be Will Levis? He said, man, he spoke glowingly about Will Levis as a kid. He spoke glowingly about his physical tools. Uh, strikingly similar, though, to the scouting report you would get on a past Joe Milton. I just don't know that the accuracy is there. I don't know that that pinpoint precision and poise and a bunch of P's, basically. I don't know that all those are there. And if they're not, and you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator, and you're trying to have a bunch of new, which I respect Mark Stoops for. He's so deep into his career. He's so entrenched there. He figured, now or never, if I'm going to try something new, I might as well use up all this built-up equity I have now. I respect it. I I just, if I were to give them Cincinnati's schedule, they'd be right in the conversation for a double-digit win season. That's no knock on Cincinnati's schedule. It's just Kentucky could be a lot more competitive against that schedule. It's tough. When you play the schedule they do, it's tough. But I will tell you what they do have. They got a game in week two against Missouri. And I am telling you, that's an extremely underrated game. I'm going to be talking about you know, the Oregon-Ohio State game and the Iowa-Iowa State game, and so will most of the nation. But that matchup in Week 2, when Arkansas plays Texas in Week 2 as well, that matchup's going to be so off the radar. And that's a game that's going to it's going to figure out some of the early jockeying in the SEC East. You're not going to care about it because it's not Georgia-Florida. When I say you, I mean nationally. You know, if you live in, let's say, oh, where are we going today? We've been too far east lately. Let's go not no, not Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, because we just went to Enid, Oklahoma the other day. Let's go to Casper, Wyoming. There we go. Huge contingent of our listeners in Casper, Wyoming. If you're in Casper, Wyoming, chances are you're not going to care a lot about the Kentucky-Missouri game. But what you do care about is the SEC championship race, because it's either everyone's first or second point of focus in college football. Well, what if I told you that down the road, there could be this hodgepodge right behind the number one spot, And either Kentucky or Missouri could be part of that conversation. Well, it stands to reason if that's the case, the winner of that game, what I want you to do is you just need to circle that game and circle the team that wins it and then check back six weeks from now. Don't even bother following it week to week. I know you got better things to do in Casper. It's beautiful out there this time of year. It's beautiful out there any time of year, but just check back. So that's what I'm looking at with Kentucky. Next up, Brett comes to us in a moment of not distress, but he is at a crossroads in his life. It doesn't have anything to do with Saturday fall weddings. Notice, by the way, I keep adding Saturday on there. I didn't do that. I was irresponsible in one sense the other day. 
I wasn't irresponsible when I told you rid yourself of all the people in your life that have Saturday fall weddings. That wasn't irresponsible at all. What I think was irresponsible is I didn't always specify Saturday. I just said fall weddings. Fall weddings can be wonderful. Fall weddings can be a beautiful thing. Uh, Here's the best example that I had given to me one time by an old, sage, grandfatherly-like figure. And he said, let me tell you, let me tell you something, son. That's how he talked. But let me tell you something, son. He said, you're going to look back on your wedding photo one day or your sister's wedding photo or your your cousin, all the wedding photos you ever look at. You're going to be able to tell a lot about that day. You'll be able to tell what dress the bride wore, if it's outdoors, what the weather was like. You'll be able to tell how in shape everyone was that day and have they or have they not let themselves go after their wedding day. You'll be able to tell all that. Here's what you will not be able to tell. Unless they're literally holding up a calendar in their hand, you will not be able to tell what day the wedding was on. There is some unwritten rule out there that weddings have to happen on Saturday and people just scoff at the notion of having a weekday wedding because they're allergic to saving money, I guess. But he said the con- the concept of the American wedding, not marriage. I'm all for marriage. The concept of the American wedding, he said, is one of the biggest scams in the world And I got what he was saying. He was talking about money, which is cool because I care about money, too. So he was talking about money. But he said the happy medium, like the great unicorn of the wedding industry, is there's nothing wrong with a Thursday October wedding. It can be great. You don't have to fight crowds. You get fractional price points relative to what the Saturday market is going to deliver. And oh, by the way, your friends are going to be happy to take the day off anyway. They'll be happy to take the day off work because you have just given them the gift of not making them go to a Saturday wedding. I'm not going to go down this road because this is not even what Brett wanted. I just wanted to revisit that and I wanted to put a little addendum or two, a little post-it note onto the Tuesday podcast. Okay, so Brett needs this. He said, I'm looking for a second team to support. I have some criteria. I'm hoping you guys can help me narrow it down. Number one, he does not want a Pac-12 team. He's already a fan of Oregon. No conflict of interest. Number two, he does not want to root for a blue blood. He says, I don't want to root for a really good team or historically good team, i.e. Bama, Clemson, even FSU or Michigan. Number three, I'm looking for a good story. I want a likable coach, cool college town, good culture. And number four, kind of hoping for a group of five team just to mix it up. But I will take a middle of the road power five team as well. Off the top of my head, I kind of like Louisiana or Appalachian State. Any other suggestions? So what do we think? Any other suggestions here? No Pac-12 team, no blue blood, either current or traditional. He wants a good story, likable coach, wants the culture in the town to check his boxes, and he would prefer a group of five team, but he'll take a middle-of-the-road power five team. You come up with your answer. I'll give you mine right after this. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
And we're back. Do we have an answer for Brett? Has everyone come up with an answer? Because I've got three of them. But Brett, I just want to tell you, I understand where you're at in life because I was at this place in life. I wanted to find someone out there. I wanted to find a place that I had no natural attachment to, but I wanted to create an emotional attachment with. I went through my own list of criteria and I chose Iowa State several years ago. Now, it just so happens that I think I was the singular impetus for them becoming a borderline playoff program, but that's beside the point. I support you on your journey, and based on your criteria, I don't think you want to hop on board right now because we're just so good. We at Iowa State are just so good. Where do you want to go? Well, I got three suggestions for you, and all of these I really, really focused on culture. I want a unique, unmistakable culture. That's that word I just used, by the way, unmistakable. That's where you mix up the unmistakable and unmistakable. You don't really know which letter is supposed to come out, so it's unmistakable. So I want an unmistakable culture. I want you to have no doubt the moment you open your eyes in this town where you are. And I also want a passionate fan base independent of results. Nebraska's like this. Independent of results, they are a passionate fan base. It, it's not Nebraska. I'm not putting them as one of the three. I'm using them as an example. Uh, the first one is West Virginia, and this is the one I would go with, actually. West Virginia has done some things in the past. Uh, they are a middling program right now looking to rise. I think you need to hop on right now if you're going to do it because they could surpass expectation this year. It is a totally unique culture. It's like a bubble culture unto the rest of the Big 12. I just did it again. Into, unto, into the rest of the Big 12. But also, I think that you would love it up there, especially if you've never been, especially, double especially if you're from the West Coast. That would be like a shock to the senses, but you'd love it. You would feel like an alien, but you wouldn't be like the aliens in signs. You would be like E.T. And they would first look at you funny, but then they would love you. And they would put their arms around you, and Drew Barrymore would welcome you in and make you hot cocoa. That's kind of how the people in West Virginia are. They are suspicious of you if you're an outsider. But then once you prove that you are of no harm to them, then they'll welcome you. They'll take the shirt off their back for you. So you would love West Virginia. Great game day tradition, great game day atmosphere. That's why I root for them, because I love to see Morgantown. I love to see their place lit up, and I love to see the national spotlight on them. Another one is in the SEC. This is a program that's done things in the past. They haven't done anything as of late, and that's Arkansas. Arkansas it has a lot of the same qualities West Virginia does. It's a little bigger in stature. It's got a lot more money because of the attachment of certain high-level donors. And uh, there's this thing called Walmart pretty big, Tyson chicken, pretty big. But Arkansas has a head coach that perfectly represents their own culture and they love it. They're an extremely passionate fan base. You may look from a distance and say, Ooh, those people probably don't care about football. They got to play against Alabama and LSU every year. And well, they would be quick to tell you, you know, we push LSU occasionally and you know, Alabama's Alabama, but we hold our own over here. I mean, we were so close with Auburn last year. It took an act of the SEC officiating office to rip the game from us. They're still salty about it. So I would say West Virginia, Arkansas is a good one. And then a third one, I don't know. I thought I had some good ideas, but I can't give you something like Central Florida when they're already established. I would go, if you want to go the G5 level, I would look at a program like East Carolina. Because East Carolina is positioned to when they get the right dynamic in there, they have the ability to flourish as a program. Uh, they're well positioned. They're in the right conference. They're in the right geographical area. I just think they got to get some things figured out administratively. But again, their midfield logo is great. It's the state of North Carolina with a pirate logo inside of it. I mean, that's wonderful. And so if you want to buy early, if you want to get in on the ground floor, get in on the ground floor of East Carolina football. Otherwise, if you're going to stick to the Power 5 level, I'd go West Virginia and Arkansas. All right, Kevin asked a question that I've gotten a lot 
I understand the sentiment. You know what? I'll just read the question, then you can decide the sentiment for yourself. Kevin asked, if Ohio State loses to Minnesota, is there a chance that, as it turns out, they'd be out of the college football playoff no matter what they do the rest of the way? Now, my immediate answer is no, just to be perfectly clear. But what the thinking here is, if I'm interpreting this the right way, what the thinking here is, is what if Ohio State loses to Minnesota and then Minnesota goes on to not be a great team this year at all? So Minnesota's like a, a seven-win team and Ohio State is carrying around a loss to a seven-win team around their neck. Well, first off, I don't think that's how valuation of wins and losses should work. You know that. But the second thing is, even if that happens, even if Minnesota doesn't win another game, Ohio State has got enough opportunities. Ohio State plays Penn State. Ohio State would end up playing Wisconsin, but that's not all. They play Oregon the very next week. If they beat Oregon the very next week and they were to do it convincingly, a lot of people would forget about week one. But even if you didn't, they've got a game against, as I said, Penn State. They got, eh, I'm not going to mention Nebraska, but they've got Indiana coming up. Of course, they got Michigan at the end of the year. They would have a not only the Wisconsin matchup, presumably, not presumably, in the Big Ten title game, but whoever they play there, it's a win and a conference championship. So if they were to win out, that's the scenario. No, I don't think Ohio State is being left out of the playoff. That's the conversation I think is more likely to happen around Clemson. But if we're being real with ourselves, I don't think any of those programs losing one game, if they win out the rest of the way, that would be 11 or 12 straight wins counting a conference championship game. If they win out, I don't think any of them are being left out. And you know how much I love playoff hypotheticals on the what second day of September but yeah, I don't think that's happening. Okay, so I need to cut it a little bit short this morning for very specific reasons because we're starting Late Kick Live early tonight, which means I've got to have a one-hour early head start. And irresponsibly, I did not record this last night because we had a whole bunch of, shall we say, professional obligations to attend to last night that will make sense down the road. Uh, so we've got to bump our schedule up today. Uh, make sure you're following those Twitter and Instagram accounts, at Late Kick Josh. Cannot wait to show you what we have to unveil, especially on that Instagram account. I mean, it'll be Twitter too, but for this, for the purpose of being at games, that Instagram account is going to be fun to follow. Uh, at Late Kick Josh, I'll put plenty of it on Twitter too. Access the the two things I know you want: information and access, and entertainment, maybe to laugh every now and then. But information and access is what you want. Well, that's what we're going to give you, as long as they're letting me in these games. So until tonight. For producer Jordan, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and God bless. There's a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.